0: So continuing on, we have to keep bearing fruit. We must remain in the vine, drawing our life from him, and then the vine and the branch together produce fruit. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. No spiritual life, no things of spiritual value without me. And then on the other hand, he said, I can do all things, Paul said, through Christ. Who strengthens me. So you see the union, the yoking, it's never one sided, as the heretics teach. It's not all grace, it's not all faith alone. You don't find that teaching anywhere. Okay? So he's addressing the Gentile Christians mainly. Okay? That's who he went to, and that's who he's maturing. And they would have known, I'm sure he would have warned them on his previous visit about Romans 11. Verse 21 and 22. For if God did not spare the natural branches, that was the Jews, he may not spare you either. He's talking to the Gentile Christian. He said he cut them off. He may not spare you. Okay? And verse 22. All the greasy graces don't like this one. All the once saved always saved people. Oh, they don't like. They like to explain this one away. For this reason, What reason? You may be cut off also if you don't meet the conditions. And what is that? Consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, he was severe with. He put up with those Jews for generations, and he's going to ultimately destroy the system right after Paul's death within a few years, okay? He's going to destroy that whole system and deal with the true church. But those who fell did not obey, did not stay with him. He was severe and punished them and was hard. He gave them what they deserved. His patience had run out with them in his long sufferings. But if you continue in his goodness, you have to continue in being good. Isn't that something? That's the spiritual works that James is talking about. That's obeying righteousness. And they say, oh, it's faith alone. There's no such teaching. Faith alone. Faith will remove past sins, but you have to live in the present. And unless you practice it and yield to the Spirit, it's of none avail. Okay? So he says you have to continue in his goodness. That's to continue in grace and faith and the fear of the Lord. That's to continually follow him, and let him be master, he's the boss, obey him, and be led of the spirit. That's what it means. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. There's no way around this scripture. But heretics find a way and false teachers because a demon helps them and blinds them to the truth. And that's why I learned after a few years in the Lord, I stopped debating those people. They weren't baby Christians that know nothing. They've been in it for 10 and 15 years. I doubt whether any of them will get saved. That demon spirit's hardening them further and further. And you try to give them a scripture, and they just quote you the one they like. They disregard what you tell them. Well, listen, how do you reconcile these? They don't even try to. See, they don't rightly handle the word of truth. Uh And they're given over to lying spirits. And most professing Christians and ministers and teachers are in that classification, okay? Verse 11. And to make it your ambition, your goal, that's what ambition means, something that you focus on, to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. And I'll stop there. And we'll deal with this first. So, you are to look as your goal to be quiet in your lifestyle. You don't see people promoting themselves and trying to draw attention to themselves. All of these Hollywood Christians and all of these programs oh, they get thousands of people because they lie to them and pamper them and tell them what they want to hear. You never hear about wrath, judgment, sin, you never hear about consequences because people don't want to hear that. Because why? We live in the end times, we're starting, And as Paul said, they will not endure sound teaching. They don't want to hear anything that's true. They want to be lied to. Even if they're not wonderful, they want to be told they're wonderful and special. And no matter what sins or things they're doing, they want to be told, God loves me anyway. It's unconditional love. They've been lied to. Oh, he has goodwill toward the wicked but he's going to send them to hell, and most of adult mankind's going to the lake of fire. I don't call that unconditional love. He said, it's not his will that any perish, old and new, but all come to the knowledge of truth, that all repent. So that's not his will. But that's where most of them are going to end up. And Jesus said the way is difficult. And narrow, and few there be that find it. Why is it difficult? Not only do we have to deal with the fallen nature, we have to deal with the world and the flesh. And unless we stay in the Lord, it's easy to stray and go back. That's why he's warning them. Lest we stay close to the Lord and do what he tells us. And yet he said, It's not my will that any perish, but they are going to perish as a whole. Okay. So be quiet in your lifestyle. Don't get involved in worldly things that do not affect you, that draw you away from Christ. Christians get too involved in politics and certain issues. Oh, you can vote. That's a part of our society. But see, they haven't come to the realization that in a democracy, where most of the people vote, most of the people are wicked. And when it comes to spiritual things, the majority is wrong. Uh So how are you going to have a godly nation when you have nothing but ungodly people? See, it's not going to happen. They live in a fantasy world. We're a Christian nation. No, we're not. There's only one Christian nation, those who are born again and the children of God. All the other ones, the U.S., they're under the power of the devil and the political systems and the God of this world. And God can override things, but they go about doing certain things. But he said, come out. So a person has liberty as a Christian to get involved in some things, but not to get involved too much, not to become of the system itself, is what he's talking about. So you can vote, you can voice an opinion, Mm -hmm. but people go too far. Then we get leaders and presidents that half the people don't like and despise. And if you're a Christian, I don't care what that president's like, you can't despise him. The scripture says you do not speak evil of your leaders, that you give them a certain amount of honor. Well, I don't hear that much. Well, he works and supports the devil's work, well, he'll answer for it. But Jesus said, Render to Caesars what Caesar. Paul said, render custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear. So if the people have chosen these people to be leaders, you've got to be careful how you act and what you speak again. You can speak against a principle and things that are wrong, but you have to be careful not to slander and gossip your leaders. I don't care if it's a democracy a dictatorship or whatever. See, people don't like that. See, That's called the American political Christian system, but it's not of the Lord, okay? We need to be more interested in the things of God. Okay, do not be a busybody involved in things that are not any of your business. Talk about now in society. There were those in all communities and those who claim to be Christians that were lazy, idle, they were gossipers, they wanted to live off of the simple Christian free hospitality. They wanted to be thought to be spiritual. They weren't teachers. They weren't exhorters. They weren't apostles and prophets. They were building their own little kingdoms. So he warned about this, okay? Thus he states, work with your own hands at some kind of labor that you can support your own is what he meant. That's the normal way. And then he says something interesting that people don't like to hear. He said, for this is the command of Christ. He didn't say, I'm giving you my opinion. He said, this is a command of Christ. Uh, We've been given this, okay? Verse 12, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in need and not be a burden either. You ought to be honest, a good citizen, doing good in your community and not being an offender and causing problems in community, not being wicked and a troublemaker. Thus, the outsider, the non Christian Gentile world will see this, and you can take care of your own by working, uh huh, and you keep to your own affairs. And even the worldly authorities say that's admirable. You're not a burden to your society, is what he's talking about. The Christians were not to be. They were in a different world. So again, uh, he will mention the concerns and what will happen to Christians, the families that have died. He's going to talk about this now. Remember, every chapter he's going to mention something uh, about the coming of the Lord because they had problems understanding some of this. And people still do today. And still among Christian scholars, there's disagreements. Is there the pre-rapture, the post-tribulation, the latter tribulation, you can get the best scholars, and they still disagree. And I think there's partially a reason we'll find out. But, verse 13, he's changing somewhat the subject now. But we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant, brethren, about those who are asleep, the Christian who has died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest of those who have no hope. The Gentile world, those who've died without Christ, is what he's talking about, okay? So he does not want them unaware of certain things. Paul was an apostle and prophet. He will show what has not ever been made clear before, a mystery, a secret. No Old Testament prophet was given this. Uh He came to this revelation as a prophet of the Lord, like he said, I come to many more revelation, and that's why I was given a stake in the flesh, a demon to oppose me. It appears the other apostles weren't given this, because he was going to speak things that God revealed that were not really clarified before. Okay? So that's what he's talking about. Okay? So he's saying what? And this time he's going to show certain things. So your dead ones in Christ, they've fallen asleep, that they have gone and have a hope of the resurrection by Christ. Not like the wicked world of the Gentiles who lived in idolatry, they have no hope of the resurrection. They're not in Christ. They lived without Christ. Now Paul is revealing some things that Daniel was forbidden to speak. Let's go to Daniel 12, 8, and 9, And although I heard, I did not understand, the angel was talking to him. Then I said, My Lord, he's speaking to the angel, What shall be the end of these things? And the angel said to him, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end, and many will be purified and made white and refined but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. So there are certain things he's saying, and Paul revealed part of them, that only those people living during the time of the Antichrist and about the Lord's coming are going to understand certain things. And that's why they're still debating certain things. He ain't giving them a full picture. May not concern us. Concerns us to be ready when he comes, okay? So even we are not told all. It appears that the time of the coming of the Lord and soon after, those will know. Those people during the tribulation period that are real Christians and come to, they're going to be given some insights, okay? But even now, that's why I think they disagree on a lot. And we can have an opinion. And my opinion differs from many other Christians who know the word. These are not heretical teachings. These are misunderstandings. These are not licensed to sin and gross sins. He's not talking about that. He's talking about being mature and growing in the knowledge of the Lord and the things of the Lord. So some of the views of the best scholars, they do differ on these things. When the Lord returns, he's coming for the bodies of the Christian. And now we're going to have a problem here because a lot of Christians don't believe that. There's different views on this. Some people believe he's coming with the Christian just for the Christian's body, to join it with his soul. That's the majority of them believe that. And some believe in soul sleep. And they got a purpose for that. The soul, he's talking about the personality, is sleeping. He's not going to be... There were certain resurrections in Revelation and even in the old. And people slept. They were not called into glory, heaven or hell at that time. Now, the rich man in hell that wanted a cool drop of water, he was looking over into paradise. But paradise was taken up with Christ when he ascended and resurrected. And hell was left there. And so some believe from the time of Christ and the gospel that all the true Christians that die, they are waiting. They are not active in heaven. It's possible. But I tell people, don't matter whether you're sleeping or not. You're a Christian. Every Christian sleeps one-third of his life. Because you go to sleep don't mean uh, that Christ ain't in you anymore. You don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I need to be saved again. You're in Christ. And so those in Christ, whether they're awake or sleeping, it could be either way. I have my views, and people have a right to have theirs. It won't matter. We'll find out one day, won't we? But those are the two major views, okay? So some believe that the personality that sleeps, it said that Stephen fell asleep. And even though the Lord, he saw the Lord, didn't say he immediately went up into heaven. It said he fell asleep. So people use that. There's other scriptures that Paul uses that implies he may not be talking about just the body, but there are others that are. So you can see why there's controversy here, okay? See, the problem, which you'll have on one hand, if he's coming for the body alone, Jesus resurrected. So if he's coming for a body, there's legitimate questions that people who died, say the 12 apostles, they died before the end of the century. That's been 2,000 years. And their body rotted in the grave, and people planted corn on them, and wheat, and they ate that, And part of those atoms are in their body. And we probably have many people's atoms in our body. And those millions who died at sea, the fish ate them. And they dissolved, and the currents took them. They say the whole ocean circulates itself in about a thousand years. So they're everywhere. So people say, well, how can he resurrect their body? Well, the interesting thing is, when God made Adam out of the earth, he says, you'll return to the dust, because that's where you're from. But if he needs the dust, if he needs the material, it doesn't mean it has have to be the exact atoms he'll use the dust. So see, people, people add complications and try to explain things. If the Bible's not playing on certain things, leave it alone. People have a right to certain opinions. Not on sin and gross sin and, and the known sins. He's talking about a process of certain things. So even the Thessalonians were questioning And they thought, if the Lord come, what happens to our friends who died? They didn't believe their friends were in heaven. So they believed they were waiting for the day of the Lord. Even Mary and them, when they talked about the resurrection of Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection. Oh, they said, oh, well, we believe he will be raised the last day. Because Jesus talked about raising those the last day at the judgment day. But he said, I am the resurrect. He overrode that. A lot of people try to think well, Lazarus was dead three days. He was walking around in heaven. Scripture doesn't say no, thing. He was in a form of sleep for those three days. He didn't speak of any visions he had in heaven. God kept him from corruption totally. And the Spirit resurrected him. Where was the actor in that state? So so you can see where all these arguments come into being and and the different views, okay? So our atoms, again, don't represent a problem. Over the centuries, you got people's atoms in you that have been dead hundreds of years ago, okay? And we eat those things, and they become a part of the dust, and the dust becomes a part of fruits and wheat and crops and everything, okay? So he may have meant just the earth, the material dust that God will use, and he may, at the resurrection of the Christian's body, if he comes for just the body, then somehow he's going to use this, but in a moment of time, before they get into heaven, that body is not going to be earthly anymore. He's going to change it instantly, in a split second. It's going to put on immortality. mortality and be like the angels. Okay? So let's look at 2 Corinthians. And he doesn't, again, the scripture does not clarify for us certain things that we're curious about. But I tell people, if you follow the Lord, you ain't going to miss anything. You don't have to know all these things to be saved or raptured. You have to walk in the Spirit and obey the Lord. That's what he requires. Other stuff. You can figure out later. 2 Corinthians 5 8. For we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Well, people say, well, that means we got it. No, and it don't say no such thing. Those who are asleep in Christ are with the Lord, they are preserved by Him. So this doesn't say one thing or the other. You may be. We may go instantly into the Lord, our spirit, soul, and we may come back and get our bodies, our glorified bodies. So they're, they're the two main arguments we have. It does not explain it. People in Christ, if in soul sleep, their spirit, soul, their personality, they're still in Christ. They're present with the Lord. Uh-huh. And he will resurrect them when he's ready. He will resurrect who they are, and he knows who they are. So he wanted the Thessalonians to know your brothers and sisters in the Lord, they're not going to miss anything. The Lord's not going to forget them when he comes for you. Uh And like we say, we sleep every night, and we sleep in the Lord, and we're not dead, hopefully, but we're still with the Lord. So asleep or awake, we are in the Lord if we're a Christian is it appointed to man once to die, then after that, the judgment. Scripture does not say immediately the judgment. When he comes for the church, it's believed that's when he'll judge the nations, the goats and the sheep, in a moment of time. It's believed the judgment seat of Christ will be at the time they're called up. In that split second, they will be judged for their works, the Christian. They'll not be judged for their sins. And we need to remember, time is nothing to God. Well, he's going to make us like angels in less than a second. And that astounding. See, he's not limited by time. So if he resurrects everyone that's a Christian, and in a few seconds they're going to be with him, and then they'll be with him in heaven forever, all the judgments will pass. See, he don't judge a Christian when he immediately dies. He's not judging Christians all day long and thousands of people are dying in the world. It's going to seem to be done at one time. But it's going to be done when they put on immortality immortality, and they're going to be rewarded. So when they, in that split second before the resurrection or the living Christians caught up in the air and being with the Lord and how many split seconds all their works can be judged, and they will be rewarded, and their standing in heaven will be determined. And at the same time, it's believed that the goats, the unbeliever, will be judged at that time and cast into hell. So it says the good and the bad will all come and be judged by Christ. The white throne judgment is the Father and the Son. It says it's the Almighty. Well, he's the Almighty. There's only one throne in heaven. The Father don't have a throne, and Jesus. When it says he's seated at his right hand, he's talking about authority. But Revelation explains very plainly that the Lamb and the Father, they have one throne. Okay? So now we move on, verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The reason "fallen asleep is often used because death usually means finality, but it's not finality for the Christian. Death, the second death, is separation from God. Uh-huh. The first death is our spirit soul, our personality is separated from the body, the earthly body. That's the death he's talking about, okay? And so the Christian is not emphasized he's dead because he's in Christ. He will live. He said, even though he lives, he will be resurrected he will see the Lord. Even Job spoke of this. He said, I will, even though I'm falling apart. and being just, He said, I will in my flesh see my Redeemer. He was given some kind of insight. He said, I will stand on the earth and see my Redeemer. Okay. So, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we do, he is the first fruits. He does the first action or work for us. So, we believe God will bring with Christ those who sleep in Christ, okay? Whether it's their personality, if you believe in soul sleep, whether it's their body, it could be joined to the spirit. Either way, God's going to raise them, okay? Again, whatever some are sure of, all will be alive in Christ, and those who die will be made alive and will changed. The ones who died and the ones who are living, their body will be changed, okay? Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, now he's given commands and revelation, that we who are alive and remain, until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, the ones who have died in Christ, what he is talking about. So the revelation tells us something. The call, and we'll talk about that too, when they're called, the living Christian will not go ahead of those who are sleeping. Again, even their personalities or their body will not go ahead of them. Actually, as they read the context of the scripture, it implies that the dead in Christ shall proceed a little further than the living in the air, and then they wait in that split second for the living to put on immortality. They may be ahead by a split second, if you want to argue the point, okay? 16. For the Lord himself, that's Christ Jesus, will descend from heaven with the shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead and Christ will rise first. That tells us a split second before the living Christian, he's gonna call the dead first, whether their personality or their body, they're going up first. So we're not preventing them, okay? The living are not gonna prevent them, okay? So he will descend from heaven and the mid heavens with a shout and the voice of the archangel. So it's believed, even some other traditions, I'll just tell you it's possible, some believe Christ shall shout, arise, and then the archangel will repeat it. And they seem to believe it's going to say this, arise you dead and come to judgment. That's what the archangel is going to claim. Who is he? It's Michael, the chief of angels. He's going to come. And when he says this, he's going to blow the trumpet. And everybody's going to rise for judgment at that time. Okay? The dead in Christ, the bodies, or personalities will rise first. And the word is meaning a split second before. A moment of time that Paul uses, it means the most we can translate it is, A false spot of a second. A blink of the eye can do that in a tenth of a second. And he said it's like the twinkling of an eye. Okay? And they will rise first. Okay? And then the living Christian will rise up and be changed. So all this is going to happen in a moment of time in the mid-heavens. And they talk about the earthly heaven. The three basic heavens. There's the sky, There's the solar system of the universe, the galaxies, the second heaven, and the third heaven is where God dwells, the spiritual heaven. That's basically what is understood. Okay. Then 17 says, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, the ones that were sleeping in Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. Okay, that's interesting, isn't it? Then this follows. They're alive and still on earth, will be caught up to meet Christ in the mid heaven. Now remember when Jesus ascended, in Acts we're going to look, before he was caught up into heaven, bodily and permanently, after he spent 40 days dealing after the resurrection, appearing and speaking to disciples. Acts 1 verse 9-11 verse 9-11 Now when he had spoken these things who Jesus, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood in white apparel. There were angels who said, Men of Galilee, why do you gaze into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He will bodily come in the clouds at his second coming, at the rapture at least. okay. He spent for 2,000 years at the ministering in his body, Christ. Any appearance we'll see is the Spirit of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit, which is himself, It was not his body. Even Paul called the visitation. And he said, I was an apostle out of time. Didn't mean Jesus appeared to him in bodily. He called it a great vision. Isn't that interesting? Okay. So it appears that Jesus, even to Paul, was a spiritual revelation. Why? Because God is everywhere. He can do what he wants to do. Christ is everywhere. He said, I am with you and I shall be in you. So, the bodily, though, Jesus, that is glorified is in heaven still, okay, and he's acting as mediator and high priest for Christians, for our confession and profession, for the believer, and he's still drawing the world, convicting the world. He's he's interceding. That's he doing. He came the first time as the prophet and teacher and savior. Now he's the mediator, and he will come back bodily as a judge and a king. Okay? So that's where he is. So now we say that Christians are changed in a moment of time, faster than a second. Well, why is that so hard to believe? Jesus said he beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. When God tested the angels, and one third of them failed, they cited. With Lucifer, once the test was complete and God evaluated, they were instantly cast down. They didn't have time to think. And when they were cast out, all holiness and goodness and anything of God was taken out of them. And by the split second they were corrupt, evil beings, unrepentant, cannot repent, nothing good in them. This all happened in less than a second. Okay, that's amazing. So if he was changed to evil completely in a second, the Christian shall put on immortality and actually says, we'll see, we'll be more like angels. So anything goodness, righteousness, holiness that was in those angels and the devil was removed. He was called the covering cherub, the light bearer. And after the test and he was thrown out, he's called the Prince of Darkness, the adversary, the evil one. Okay? Scribes who he is. Thus we Christians will be changed in a moment and put on immortality. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Verse 20, but now at this time he's saying, Christ is risen from the dead and he's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he's talking about those that are dead in Christ. Like I say, whether it's just their body or their personality, we'll figure it out one day. Some people are sure, well, good for them. Okay, I wish I had that knowledge. Okay. He's the first fruit. And after that, at an instant before the living Christian is changed, like we said, the dead in Christ proceed. And then in First Corinthians fifteen, fifty to fifty three. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So even if he uses the earthly dust and atoms of their body, they're going to be changed. They cannot go into heaven that way. Okay? He says, Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Nothing earthly can go in earthly. It has to be changed to some degree. Okay? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that's what I mean, they think it means less than a second. That's the timing. At the last trump, Jesus will say, come forth. And the archangel say, come forth, arise and be judged. And he blows the trumpet. That's what he's talking about. Okay? And the dead will be raised incorruptible. In that split second in the air, they will be changed. The judgment for their works before Christ. Not their sins, because they're already in Christ they're not going to be judged for their sins. They've all been dealt with. But when the dead, wicked rise, they will be judged for their sins. Okay? And what does he say? For this corruption must put on incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality. So he's saying this is going to happen. Okay? Let us go ahead and stop here because I want to continue the thought in the next lesson. I'll have to need more time. Lord, give us wisdom, understanding. Help us to understand what we are to know and to trust you with what we don't know. As long as we follow you, Lord, and let of your spirit, we'll experience these things whether we know it or not or understand it or not. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.